have to go back! everyone welcome back to the flashback flicks retro movie podcast i'm ricky and i'm grayson that's g-r-a it's often mispronounced and misspelled and i'm on third uh <laughs> and we are reviewing the king of comedy not to be confused uh with the original kings of comedy the uh early 2000s or maybe even 1999 um comedy uh documentary slash special with steve harvey deal hughley bernie mac and cedric the entertainer um that's what google thought i wanted to watch um but no i told them raises nerd glasses uh i'm looking for the uh 1983 dark comedy uh by martin scorsese thank you google i will take my business elsewhere to yahoo if you keep on making assumptions like that that's an empty threat. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, so we are reviewing this movie because Joker is making his way into theaters, and Robert De Niro certainly has a type and is also hosting a late-night talk show type thing, and Grayson saw the, the, the signs. I'm too uncultured to know that this movie even existed before this, so thank you, Grayson. I was like, Robert De Niro, stand-up, talk shows? Yes, please. Tortured comedians? Of course. See, I thought Robert De Niro torture. I was just like, oh, yeah, sure. Like, oh, analyze this. Got it. All right. <laughs> so uh, The King of Comedy uh, is a movie that is all about a uh, inspiring comedian uh, by the name of Rupert Pupkin. Pupkin. And his ambition far exceeds his talent, uh, so says the internet. And one day, Rupert meets Jerry Langford, played by Jerry Lewis, um, a successful late-night talk show host who craves his own privacy. Now, Rupert believes his big break has finally come, and he attempts to get a place on Langford's show by stalking him. And he soon begins to indulge in elaborate and obsessive fantasies in which he and Langford are colleagues and friends. Uh, now, this movie uh, came out like we said in 1983 really kind of interesting uh background to this so after raging bull was completed scorsese thought about retiring from feature films because why not end on top uh to make documentaries instead because he felt unsatisfied and had not found his inner peace yet but he was keen to do a project of his the last temptation of christ and wanted de niro to play jesus and de niro was not interested and preferred their next collaboration to be a comedy and so he purchased the rights of a script by film critic paul d zimmerman and that is what we have before us the king of comedy so the movie did not so well in the box office uh with a budget of 19 million dollars uh, the film only grossed 2.5 million dollars so it wasn't that big of a hit, but um, they weren't meant for the big screen. They weren't even meant for the TV screen because it's not TV. It's HBO. Oh, I thought you were going to say DiGiorno. <laughs> That's what I should have said. Yeah. Robert DiGiorno. <laughs> Uh, it really gained a second life on HBO, and that's where a lot of people really saw this movie. Uh, and it was widely uh, acclaimed by critics, uh, especially with Jerry Lewis's performance. Now, mm. I have not seen this era age of Jerry Lewis. So you mostly I, see him younger when he's more zany? Yes, I, I, yeah. I see more Nutty Professor era 
uh, Jerry mm-hmm. Lewis uh, or the animated version of Jerry Lewis uh, from the Animaniacs because they oh, make sure. a ton of Jerry Lewis uh, references. So the character was actually originally scripted as Robert Langford, but Jerry Lewis uh, suggested the name change because they were going to film some scenes in New York City, and he knew passerbyers would just disrupt the film by saying, "Hey, Jerry," uh, which they did. Uh, so, and he, and because Jerry Lewis had had more experience with fame than De Niro and Scorsese, mm-hmm. like combined at that time in '83, uh, and so. He contributed a lot of suggestions to the script, like the scene of the old woman shouting out, you should get cancer, was based on a real incident that That's had rough. happened to him. That's really rough. And so yeah. he, he directed the actress to get the timing right of what actually happened. The whole approach to making this movie had uh, almost like a method feel to it. It was very real. And I think that scene in particular plays into it. Um, I mean, Scorsese works so well with De Niro because of that way of working, but that was very different for Jerry Lewis. He had he had never really worked uh, with a, a method actor before. And so I think there was a lot of tension there of figuring out the working relationship, especially in the scenes where um, uh, there's some improvised moments, especially during the the mansion scenes where they they break in and they're in Jerry's mansion. And I I know the two of them would use real life tension to kind of create that moment and and, uh, the things that they said to each other. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very interesting. And I think you feel a lot of that realism, however you feel about method acting for better or worse. I feel like the, the performance here and the way that the movie was constructed feels very, um, uncomfortably real. And, uh, like you said, Jerry Lewis had a very understated performance and De Niro was concerned that it was going to be big, crazy animaniacs, Jerry Lewis. Um, but the understated uh, role I, I, I in the performance of it I think also comes from a very real place because people were very complimentary of Jerry Lewis in this role they're like it's oh, like yeah. we've never seen him before and he just replied saying I'm playing myself like I, it's not like a big crazy thing this is just me being me and uh, that's interesting and I, I think it's a testament to the power of Scorsese that he pulled that out of an icon in comedy and said, hey, just trust me to to go on this journey, even though it's different than what has typically been in your wheelhouse. And I think uh, both performers kind of met in the middle where you have De Niro, who is uh, you know, famously intense, playing more of a comedic, uh, like sadly comedic role and then you have jerry lewis who's able to to downplay more to drama it's very interesting this dynamic and i think uh, there's a, an energy about it that is uh very attractive absolutely and i mean this movie is i mean this is my first time watching it and so i i got a lot of birdman vibes from this movie oh interesting very much a movie about the industry um Mm -hmm. but a more behind the scenes look uh pull back the curtain uh feel but also a big um look at disillusionment uh and also you not knowing what's real or not uh Mm -hmm. the ending is very confusing i'm just like wait a second is 
is is the totem still spinning? I don't yeah. know. Well, and I, and this is a an official spoiler alert for those who have not seen this movie and don't want it ruined because I don't think you can talk about this movie without going into the ending. Right. Really. And and again, this is the 1982 The King of Comedy. Not well, the 82 hilarious. in Iceland, 83 everywhere else. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Not the uh, very hilarious, the original Kings of Comedy. Completely different movie. We also will not be spoiling <laughs> that movie because we're not reviewing it. Oh, Spoiler alert, a bunch of names come up on the screen telling <laughs> you who worked on the movie. Number That's one it. stunner starts playing. It That's how it ends. Back. Yeah. Sorry. Um, but yeah, the, the ending of this movie is very disorienting. And you mentioned the totem. I, I think that the, his clothes play into a lot of that, too, because uh, it, what he imagines wearing in different scenarios is usually an indication of how successful he's picturing himself. Um, and for those who haven't seen it and aren't worried about spoilers, what basically happens is you you flash back and forth between scenes that are actually happening and scenes that uh, Rupert is imagining. And you start to lose track of what's real as he starts to lose track of what's real. Um, and the way that they edit it and the way they transition to it, you think you got it and then you're like, oh, well, this isn't really happening. This is one of his, oh, this is, a, okay, this is actually happening. And you start to, to really just spin out with the character. And um, I, it's just amazing construction to be able to pull off that kind of trick so subtly and not have it be about the gimmick. You know, it's purely about motivating the, the characters, um, highlighting the character's psyche and the, the mental state that he's in. And I, just, I think that's incredible. The lengths to which that De Niro went to, like, I mean, he like, actually, when you actually finally saw his set, I was like, this is a this isn't a bad set. I mean, oh, Grayson, right. I, like his uh, his performance at the end, like his yeah, actual stand up routine. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you know we, we say every movie is a miracle. Um, we don't necessarily always say that about comedy uh, because uh, yeah. it it does like exactly what uh, you know Jerry was saying. Jerry Langford in the movie is like this thing that seems effortless um, takes a lot of work, uh, and so like you know Grace and I we've we've been to different open mic nights or different comedy clubs and we've seen worse materials like well he is if he actually just went out and workshopped it he'd probably be pretty okay like he Mm -hmm. didn't need to do this um but he just had that that uh that delusion of grandeur uh to just be on that show i I mean halfway through this movie i'm like oh no am i going to be sad at the end of this because this this just feels like a sad movie um but i i started to see kind of like what this was really about because jerry lewis's character you kind of get to see two sides of what fame looks like Mm -hmm. um there is this term called parasocial relationships where people believe that they are having these relationships with celebrities it's basically like a one-way relationship uh for these people who don't really know who they are Mm. um and that's really what's at play here um nerd sync has a really good video about that um and i was like oh no is this gonna be like a like a tragically sad story kind of like um i don't know if you ever saw that uh that one robin williams movie with uh the photo 
One hour photo? One hour photo. The one oh. with the photo. <laughs> so close. One word off. Um, I thought it was going to be like more like a horror kind of thing. But again, uh, I, I just thought that the they showed you kind of two sides of fame of like what people think it is um, from a fan perspective and then like what actual fame is like. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it really just became a dark comedy heist movie. Um, where jokes were the treasure. Yeah, and I think uh, a lot of the exploration of it, too, is this um, obsession with the fast track to fame. Right. Because um, like you're saying, he could have workshopped that set and gone out, and it played well. The audience loved him, uh, even before they knew what he had done and what he was about and the weirdness behind it. Um, but he wanted to instantly be famous right. he he didn't want to have to work his way up he, he says early on i think he says i'm like 34 years old he wants it to happen now um for him uh which it kind of reminded me of the documentary uh the jerry seinfeld documentary comedian yes it did um, if you remember there's a young comedian that's kind of paired against jerry seinfeld's career because a comedian takes place after he had done Seinfeld, after he had retired all of his material in his HBO special. I think it was HBO. Uh, but the the special that he did, I'm um, telling you for the last time, he, he retired all this material and then started developing new material. As he's doing that, they follow a younger up-and-coming comic named Orny Adams who wants to be where Jerry is now. He's not right. satisfied with where he is. And it's a very similar story of just not being content with how long this kind of stuff will take and feeling like you've already paid your dues when those ahead of you are saying, hey, tap the brakes, take your time, put in the work. And I think this story, the king of comedy, takes that to the nth degree of what if there was someone willing to just really cut the line and do whatever it takes to be famous. I think it's more relevant now than ever like I this whole time I was just picturing Rupert on social media and how he would do in the Twitter and Instagram age I think he would be even more frustrated though to be honest I think it's harder and harder to get your voice out there I think you would have to go to even further extremes but this movie is a really interesting exploration of that uh, back in the early 80s uh, and uh, you kind of see yeah it feels like a caricature at some times I mean like well someone wouldn't actually do that but they could. They really could. Um, and so that that was really interesting to see. And you, you look at this obsession with celebrity through... I keep wanting to call him Travis from Taxi Driver. He's not Travis Bickle. You keep, you keep seeing Rupert, uh, who is obsessed with celebrity this way. And then Masha is also obsessed with celebrity uh, more romantically. Uh, but then even the way jerry views his own celebrity of his jadedness towards it and it's created this wall between him and the world i think the the exploration of what celebrity means and the toxicity of of that culture um it's just it's really interesting how they can look at it from all these different degrees about the the same topic absolutely so you you had seen this before right yeah, I saw this movie uh, back in college, uh, or really just fresh out of college. Um, I was a young comedian, and I was working um, at the four-day weekend comedy club in downtown Fort Worth. And uh, when I first started there, they gave me a list of movies that I had to see. Um, and they, they were like classics. Airbud. 
Airbud, a lot of Airbuds, mm-hmm. um, the ones that had been made up to that point. Yeah, seventh and fetch. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. But they really were like the kind of movies that uh, th- that make you better for having seen them. Um, right. Whether it's from an educational perspective or just their inspirational, whatever it was. To be honest, they were mostly De Niro movies. But uh, the the just because he makes so many good ones. But the King of Comedy was one of them. And um, I, I took the lesson from the film uh, to heart, and I, I really think it shaped the way that I pursued comedy uh, and really the way I pursue any kind of professional work um, to have a certain self-awareness professionally and to really look at the right and the wrong way of pursuing a goal um, because Rupert could have been a, a hit the right way. But it's the desire to uh, fast track, to cut corners, to take the easy way that can lead you down the dark path. And that's that's what I got from from this movie when I saw it, especially at a very formative time for me. I think I got a lot of good lessons from it. It's a cautionary tale. And um, I, I, I think Scorsese is the best at showing you these uh, antiheroes that... Uh, really are just a few degrees off um, and and the, they can blame the world for a lot of their own problems and when I saw this movie I just I thought I don't want that to be me um, and uh, I, I kind of like in Michael Douglas and falling down which we haven't reviewed but it just reminded me of that of you can so quickly slide out of control to become something you never thought you would be and so fresh out of college seeing this being a comedian myself this movie had a lot of staying power for me and i think about it pretty frequently so that's why when i saw the trailer for joker i was like it's back <laughs> um but this this movie has always been very special to me because um, i think there are a lot of uh, good lessons from it ultimately yeah so grayson i was very inspired by this movie to uh write some of my own material I, oh I, yeah, I don't usually do this, but do, do you mind if I test out some stuff? Oh, please go for it. Okay, all right. Uh, so, so what what do you what do you call it when you when you go he- head first into battle? Oh, uh, what would you call that? Head cannon. Head cannon. You see, it's funny because always explain the joke. Always. Headcast is a part of the show where we share a few unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. Um, I I think my biggest piece of headcanon, it kind of has to deal with, um, I think it's the way that the ending is. Because the ending is left up for interpretation, mm-hmm. here's my interpretation, so I guess it's technically a headcanon. The ending is real. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask if you thought the ending was real or not. Because they said his life story... Like, first off, this sounds about right. <laughs> Someone like pulls a stunt, commits a crime, and then they make a movie out of it. Like, Hustlers mm-hmm. uh, is based off of a real-life story. Orange is the New Black is based off of a, like someone's actual chronicling of their life or their experience committing this crime. Uh, one of my favorite shows to watch is American Greed. Um, mm. And uh, it's about these different people who got really rich doing a lot of crime. And I think that we are just naturally fascinated with stories like that. So it would make sense that they would make a book and he would yeah. have a comedy special after getting out of prison. Well, and when you look at Scorsese's other stuff, like Goodfellas and Wolf of Wall Street, like, yeah, this could be one of the crime biopics. 
Right. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think that is my headcanon. Did you get it? Did you get the joke in it? Did you? Wait. Oh, I, oh, I got it. Oh, I'll, I'll hold for applause. <laughs> for my headcanon, I feel like I've been doing this a lot recently, but I have, for the reason that we picked this movie mm-hmm. and the fact that I just binge-watched five seasons of Gotham, <laughs> I have to set this in the Batman universe. Of course. Um, Partially because I think uh, not just the the Joker comedy connection, obviously that's there, but there are other aspects uh, like Rita, uh, the love interest, Rita Keene, I think is the mother of Barbara Keene from uh, from the Gotham series and and those incarnations. Um, But what I really like is the dynamic of him introducing himself as Mr. King. I think he is uh, not the Joker himself, but the Joker's father. And I think what happens here then is it's a reference in building a deck of cards. You have the Joker card, you have the King card. Um, I mean, even Ace Chemicals. When Joker goes by Jack, that's what it's supposed to be. So, yeah, building a a deck. And, uh, I mean, Masha has got Harley Quinn written all over her. She's yes. obsessed with a Mr. J. Um, and they both use hijacked television to get their message across. Uh, even the different colored suits, the wide brim hat. I, and I think the mustache is very similar to like the constant smile with the scars. So there were just a lot of echoes, uh, echo being another reference, a lot of echoes throughout uh, all of this that just made me be like, yeah, I could see this as like the father of Joker. Um, in origin, in episode zero, uh, to lead into Joker. Wow, that's so good. I love that. Oh man, that's really that is solid. That's really solid, Grayson. In fact, I it it can't not be real, right? Can't not be real. Well, and I, right when we finish recording, I'm gonna go downstairs and watch Joker. So uh, we'll we'll see how well they connect back to back. <laughs> Uh, all right, now we're going to go into the part of the show where we like to talk about recasts and remakes. Recast, remake. If this movie were to be made today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? Uh, I I would love it if they did this with what you mentioned before, with the social media focus. Yeah. Um, I originally thought like maybe they could do a Netflix kind of version of this, but Netflix would just give him. He's like, oh, I want to do a stand special. It's yours. Sure, whatever, because Netflix does <laughs> so many comedy specials. Yeah. Uh, but no, I really think that if they did like a like this, uh, they get Bo Burnham to direct it, and it's just basically eighth grade, but this premise. So I think there's something similar to that too, and I think you're absolutely right. It, it would be social media. He would be obsessed with the numbers. He doesn't care what the comments say, as long as the he's getting views and and some kind of reaction, he's good. I, have you ever seen the movie Ingrid Goes West? I have um, Came out a few years ago, Aubrey Plaza and Elizabeth Olsen, and it's very similar of wanting to gain that kind of social media fame and then taking extreme measures to obtain it. Um, so, yeah, I think setting it in a very similar scenario would play extremely well because I, I really enjoyed that movie, and I, I could see it being updated for, uh, for this kind of subject matter. Absolutely. Yeah, because I, uh, as far as casting goes, I think depending on 
I part of me really wanted this to be like uh, kind of like funny people just like filled with veteran comedians. So part of me wants there's a version of this where it is a comedian's movie um, mm. where we get like well-known comedians and then we just see that version like. I would like to see Jerry Seinfeld, but I don't think Jerry Seinfeld would take this line down. I just wouldn't believe him. Um, <laughs> but I would love to see it like from the perspective of like a talk show host, like a late night talk show host, like yeah. Jimmy Fallon gets kidnapped. Um, yeah, I was thinking Conan or Kimmel would be yeah. good for this. Oh, Someone yeah, Someone that we're Kimmel. used to be seeing like really, ha- I think Kimmel has the sarcasm for it, but yes. Conan, I feel like if Conan went dark and not like comedic squinty dark like he doesn't where he kind of just like narrow, but like if he was actually upset, um, yes. I-, I feel like that would be very scary. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You, you would worry about, like, what's Conan's B-side to this movie? Because I think he just goes unhinged. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think there are different versions of this movie that could be made and it could just be uh, I will actually would love it if it was a anthology series where um, each season covers a different aspect of comedy or a different comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's called the deck of comedy. Oh, and then the full, this one's like deck, full deck. Right. Ace is wild or like. Full House, and then it's just a cast of Full House. Uh, house of Cards, Full House of Cards. There we go. There Love we it. Go. I'm sure the name is available now. Yeah, I've, I've been wanting them to do American Comedy Story for a long time. <laughs> let's just get FX on the horn and let's see this thing through. Hey, you know that new anthology series? Is it a horror? It's a comedy. Hello, uh, hello. Okay, but for the role of Rupert, I just wanted Simon Helberg from Big Bang Theory because he is oh, great at playing yeah. characters where his mom yells at him from the other room. I'm like, oh, true. Simon, yeah. Uh, for Rita, though, I I just wanted Tessa Thompson for sure. I, I thought she'd be really great. And then for um, for Masha, the stalker, um, Julia Garner, who just won the Emmy for Ozark, um, I oh, think yeah. would be pretty great in that role too yeah she's doing pretty well (laughs) she's doing pretty good um i i I actually thought of zazzy beats um oh yeah oh yeah well the the joker connection yeah uh because but then zazzy beats makes me think of uh atlanta so part of me would actually want to see if donald glover um would pull that like Mm. if he could play that kind of role which i of course think he could um but i i would love to see him either as um the maybe he's just the young maybe they age down the role of the host down mm-hmm. and he's the host of the show he's the jerry um or he's the rupert like either way maybe he does both there it goes <laughs> he army hammers it social network style that's it well, I think it's okay if there's similar ages, though, because then it's more of a I should be where you are by now yeah. kind of feeling. Like Anthony Anderson would be great for uh Oh, he would be amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's good. good. I think that's it. Anthony Anderson yeah. and Donald Glover. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I love that. That would be good. Now, that's a movie. Now, that's a movie. Now, that's a movie. Or you could get uh, anyone from uh, the Kings of Comedy. Oh. <laughs> Steve Harvey. D.L. Hughley. Uh, the Bernie Mac estate, rest in peace, uh, and Cedric the Entertainer, they all come back 
and really just confuse Siri like none other. Did you mean the King of Comedy, the Kings of Comedy, or the King of Comedy remake featuring the Kings of Comedy? Yep. Yep. Yeah, all of them. And that's how we take down our future robotic uproar. <laughs> we're fighting the singularity. All right, now we're going to go into our final segment of the show where we give you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend The King of Comedy? So, I recommend this movie. Clearly, I love this movie. Uh, it's got a very special place in my heart. Um, I'm a huge Scorsese fan anyway, a huge De Niro fan, and so this combined with the subject matter, I think, is uh, it, it resonates a lot for me particularly. Um, so if you're fans of all their work, then um, you should definitely see this if you haven't. Um, like you said, it wasn't a huge financial success, but it has had a lot of staying power and influenced other actors. Like uh, I know Nicole Kidman's a fan of this movie. Steve Carell used this movie as part of his um, inspiration and, and research when doing Foxcatcher, just to look at the um, uh, how to evolve that kind of obsessive personality. Um, and so I, it's an impactful movie, and it, it has a certain staying power to it. Um, and even though it's rooted in the like late night TV televised kind of like it doesn't it doesn't feel outdated. It feels like it's still relevant um, regardless of medium, I would say. So, right. um, yeah. And I think ultimately deep down in, in kind of our darkest corners of, of our hearts, we can see a little bit of ourselves in Rupert of wanting something so badly if left unchecked and pursued in the wrong way, um, you can really go down a dangerous path. And I, I think it's a really important lesson, and I think it's a strong lesson. I think the cautionary tale with the obsession of celebrity, um, both as as someone who is pursuing it and someone who is an audience member, I, I think is important. Because, um, especially the very, very end, all the success that comes from what he did, how he becomes more famous because he he did this in the wrong way. I, I think there's um, there's a warning in that as well of being like, be careful what you celebrate um, as a society. So um, yeah, it's it's a story about ambition, about uh, obsession, um, about uh, a, a man who's breaking from reality and becoming unhinged, and it's just captivating to watch. Very well said. Yeah, I would say that I'd recommend this movie because. Uh, it's really a a self-reflective look at how we look at celebrities, I think, mm-hmm. um, and how and why we see ourselves in the spotlight. Because I thought about, like, this movie does a really good job at, like, pacing and keeping attention up because mm-hmm. it's Martin Scorsese. So he knows how to make drama happen. So at any point in time, I was like, so who's going to die What's going to happen? Like, I imagine uh, Jerry's monologue going like, okay, you do your 10 minutes. Then what? Like, I thought that yeah. he was, like, going to, like, 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 what did he expect fame to give him or grant him? Um, and so it's just, but I realized uh, when I was thinking that, I was like, oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking. Like, I'm thinking, like, oh, so you hit it. You make it big. Then what? Like, can you do a show every week or like uh, I remember Jerry Seinfeld talking to Fallon on Comedians and Cars and Getting Coffee saying how late night talk show is just a cruel experiment <laughs> of, <laughs> of uh, just like hey uh, make comedy every single night like it is 
a business. So um, I, I think it's a really um, it's a dark comedic look at um, our relationship to fame and also uh, the degree to which I think we fantasize about it. Having uh, Robert De Niro's character of Rupert live that out to an extreme lets us see that the comedy is darkest. There's always laughter at the end of it. I'm just trying to make a, a Dark Knight reference. Yeah, yeah. No, the, the, We're not the, so different, you and I. The comedy is darkest just before the laugh. Dawn, you're right. That is hard. <laughs> Grayson, you're supposed to type that up. Send this oh. to me so I can read it and sign it myself. Oh, it's, it's a okay. group project. <laughs> <laughs> me and no one else. Uh, but seriously, I, I think this is a really, uh, really great look at um, celebrity and comedy and uh, a really fun adventure on when fandom turns to obsession uh, and obsession um, evolves to six years in prison. Yeah, but he only served two years, nine months, so... Allegedly. Allegedly. Is the top still spinning? (laughs) And that is our review of the 1982 movie, The King of Comedy. If you're Icelandic. If you're Icelandic. Or 1983. Uh, let us know what you remember about that movie uh, on our social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are at Flashback Flicks, and it would mean a lot to us if you could leave us a rating and review on your podcasting platform of choice. That platform mm. is our platform, yeah. our stage, if you will, oh. to let people know that we are worth watching. Not worth kidnapping, uh, we must explicitly say here on the podcast. Uh, don't kidnap me. I, I like where I am. So thank you so much for leaving that rating and review. It means a lot. And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. All right, Grayson. Gemini Man is hitting theaters, which means mm. it's time to double our action, double our fun. That's the great men of the statement as double impact. Wait, Ricky, are you referring to the Jean-Claude Van Damme 1991 action film Double Impact? I sure hope so. Me too. Me too.